0: Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
0: Were they kidnapped? Was there an accident, or did they wander off? One minute things are good, life is moving forward in the next. A family's world can be flipped upside down, when a child is there one second and then gone the next. And these stories today vary in circumstances and outcome, but they are chilling all in their own right. Welcome, guys, to our Patreon-only patrons-exclusive episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and the support. Here are five mysterious and terrifying stories of kids disappearing. Number five, Camille McKinney. In the heartland of Alabama, there unfolded a sinister tale that still resonates with those who live there. It's a sad story of Camille Cupcake McKinney a radiant three-year-old girl whose life was brutally cut short in a horrific tale of child abduction and murder. Camille was attending a birthday party in Birmingham on October 12th of 2019 when she was lured away by 39-year-old Patrick Stallworth and his 29-year-old girlfriend, Derek Brown. The couple, armed with candy, enticed Camille to their SUV which was later reported to have been observed by a 10 year old witness. And this young witness reported seeing Camille crying in the vehicle. Their tactics were eerily familiar, with a middle school age cheerleader recounting a similar experience with the duo earlier that day, only she didn't accept the sweets. An investigation into the kidnapping started, and fairly quickly, it unveiled a chilling narrative. Surveillance video from a local gas station showed Stallworth purchasing $18 worth of candy allegedly used to attract unsuspecting children. Stallworth was reported to have later purchased an energy drink as well as some gas station Viagra pills at another Phillips station. Police then tracked him down for questioning, and while he admitted to coming into contact with children and handing out candy, he said he did it to be kind, and he avoided mentioning anything about Camille. And so now, with only a 10-year-old's eyewitness account of the event, it just wasn't enough to arrest him. However, the walls were closing in on him. Investigators went on to find explicit child pornography on stalwart's cell phone. After that, the final damning clue came with the revelation that the dumpster where Camille's lifeless body was eventually found was situated near Stalworth's apartment complex. She had been found a few weeks after her disappearance. An autopsy report revealed she had died of asphyxiation. The narrative was taking a horrifying turn now. After his arrest, Stalworth divulged a deeply disturbing account. He claimed he first saw the little girl with his girlfriend when he arrived home and that they were watching television together. Brown, he alleged, wanted to keep her and directed him to sexually assault the little girl. He then explained that Brown smothered Camille to death while he went outside and had a smoke. And a particularly haunting detail was suggested by the detective handling the case, Jonathan Ross, that Camille was sedated with methamphetamine and an antidepressant, Trazodone, to make her drowsy. The levels of both drugs in her system indicated ingestion, not just exposure, further highlighting the extent of her suffering. Despite the macabre story spun by Stallworth, his defense attorneys contested the evidence. They claimed inconsistencies in the witness accounts and asserted that Stallworth was not even with Brown for part of the day during that party. They even suggested Brown might have had Stallworth's phone because hers was broken, which would explain why it pinged in that area. However, the presiding judge saw enough evidence to send Stallworth's case to a grand jury. The tale reached its grim conclusion when a federal jury convicted Patrick Stallworth of kidnapping and conspiracy to kidnap a minor, charges related to the tragic disappearance and death of Camille Cupcake McKinney. The court determined that not only had Stallworth planned the child's abduction, but that it had directly led to Camille's death. After days of hearing harrowing testimonies and viewing over 100 exhibits, Stallworth was sentenced to life in prison without parole, Mandatory sentence for kidnapping that leads to a death. In the end, justice was served, but at a cost that can never be repaid. The life of a beautiful, innocent girl will never have a chance to grow up. Number four, Jesse Flores. In Phoenix, Arizona, we cover now the unsolved case of a 14-year-old boy named Jesse Flores who vanished without a trace on the evening of September 14, 2001. At 6 p.m. on the fateful day of Jesse's disappearance, he was at his family's home in Phoenix, excited to walk to a nearby party happening down the street. He promised his mother he would be home early, as it was a school night, and with a heartfelt, I love you, and a wave, Jesse set off. That was the last time his mother, Angie, and sister, Veronica, saw the boy. It's been 22 agonizing years without knowing where he is or what happened to him. He failed to return home and subsequently missed school the next morning. Real panic set in. Angie reported him missing that morning. Despite an extensive search effort by the Phoenix PD and a media blitz in both English and Spanish, no substantial leads surfaced. Jesse's classmates and friends were interviewed, and the scary reality began to set in when they confirmed he never even made it to the party that night. They searched hard at first, but every day the case grew colder and colder. And while it has not been forgotten... The reality that Jesse is gone is real. Every,
1: every
0: Detective Stuart Summershoe with the Phoenix PD said, We are she still actively working this case. We know someone has information, and they can remain anonymous through our silent witness program. He urges anyone with knowledge of Jesse's whereabouts to call 1-480-WITNESS. Today, if alive, Jesse would be 36 years old. While the search continues, Angie reminisces about her son, a quiet, reserved boy with a sociable nature and big dreams. Jesse yearned for success, envisioning himself as both a businessman and an architect. He aimed to provide for a family one day, yearning for a big house as a symbol of prosperity, a stark contrast to their modest living conditions at the time. Jesse's older sister by eight years recollects her final memory of him. They were on a drive from Phoenix to Tempe. And although the specifics of their conversation have faded over time, the image of Jesse, windowed down, music blaring, and relishing the company of his cool older sister, remains vivid. Veronica adds, I pray for him and I pray for this case. I pray that someone helps us fill the holes. We're always hopeful that one day he'll come back, but if something happened, please let us know and give us some closure. For years following Jesse's disappearance, Angie bought a birthday cake every November 12th, making a wish for her lost son. The mystery of Jesse Flores's disappearance remains unsolved to this day. The family, law enforcement, and the community continue to seek answers this case stands as a solemn reminder of the thousands of missing persons cases yet to be solved. If you have any information, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem, please do step forward because someone out there definitely knows the truth. Number three, Dulce Maria Alabez. In the heart of Bridgeton, New Jersey, a quaint Latino majority city embedded in one of the most rural regions of the state, a chilling mystery that still pains the residents today started on September 16th of 2019. On this seemingly ordinary afternoon, five-year-old Dulce vanished, evaporating like a ghost in broad daylight from the park where she had been playing just moments before. Her disappearance sparked massive manhunts that have yielded no concrete answers, but still, investigators insist that there's a possibility Dulce might still be alive. On that day, her mother, Noema took her daughter and her younger brother to the park along with their eight year old niece. They grabbed some ice cream from the truck and the two siblings took off towards the playground just yards away while mom and the niece hung back. It didn't take long, but within ten minutes, this calm family outing turned into a parent's worst nightmare. Looking around, Noima saw her three-year-old boy upset and crying, his ice cream abandoned on the ground, and Dulce was nowhere in sight. The boy pointed behind some buildings, saying his sister had gone that way. Noima's initial thought was that her little girl was simply playing hide-and-seek. Went to look around the corner, but her daughter wasn't anywhere, and that's when her heart started to pound. After searching frantically, police were called in, and they interviewed everybody in the park they could, while locals and police continued to look. But as nighttime set in, it became apparent that something bad must have happened. Based on the eyewitness accounts, investigators suspect a man who had been lingering near the park that day, perhaps driving a red van, was the one who took Dulce. They described him as light-skinned, possibly Hispanic, standing between five foot six and five foot eight, thin and with acne on his face. The tireless search for the girl went on to span across several states even reaching as far as Mexico, where her father lived. But he was always cooperative with authorities and appears to have nothing to do with the abduction. Police released age-progressed images, and the Cumberland County Prosecutor's Office revealed that investigators have conducted hundreds of interviews in the past four years and tips continue to flood in, even live the hope that Dulce might still be found. Dulce's grandmother lamented, every day has been very difficult because every day I wait for someone to say where my granddaughter is. And this mystery is shaken a community, left a family in limbo and opened the door to a terrifying reality that even the simplest, safest spaces may harbor unspeakable dangers. If you have any information on the girls' whereabouts, your urge to call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. Every little detail, no matter how insignificant it may seem, could be the key to bringing Dulce Maria Alaves home. Number 2. Catrice Lee. The air was chilly in Skloff, Newhouse, Germany, on November 28, 1981, a day that should have been filled with the cheerful celebrations of a two-year-old's birthday. But instead, it quickly turned into a grim and haunting day for the Lee family. Catrice Lee, born on November 28, 1979, at the British Military Hospital in Rinteln, was the apple of her father's eye. Richard Richard Lee, serving as a sergeant in the 15th-19th King's Royal Hussars, stationed at Paderborn, lived with his family in Schlof newhouse Little Catrice with her sparkling eyes, one of which had a condition that required two surgeries, was the family's light. But on her second birthday, that light was abruptly extinguished when she disappeared from the Navy, Army, and Air Force Institute's shopping complex. At the checkout line at the NAAFI, Catrice's mother, Sharon, realized she'd forgotten to pick up some crisps. She turned to her sister, Wendy, asking her to keep an eye on the bubbly toddler. When Sharon returned, a time she estimates was no longer than a minute, Catrice was then gone. Confusion and panic swept through the store as Catrice's family frantically searched for her, with Richard Lee's fellow servicemen soon joining in the desperate hunt. How could she have disappeared in an instant like that, and where did she go? Both the German police and the Royal Military Police launched an extensive search, aided by soldiers and volunteers. Despite their efforts, and even after dredging the local River lip and conducting exhaustive house-to-house inquiries, no trace of the little girl was found. In the aftermath, Mr. Lee criticized the investigation's initial efforts, commenting that the search's intensity seemed to die off after the first full day. German police speculated that Catrice may have fallen into the fast-flowing river lip, but the Lee family firmly dismissed this, asserting that Catrice wouldn't have approached the water on her own. They believed instead that she was abducted and taken as a surrogate child. The lack of initial progress led to a reopening of the case in 2000. Named Operation Butte, it included having the BBC's Crime Watch channel airing a reconstruction of Catrice's disappearance. A suspect was actually identified out of that but released without charge. Once again, the case was a mystery and everyone was back to square one. In 2012, the RMP admitted to mistakes in the initial investigation which had led to the case's second reopening. A reanalysis of the collected data pointed to the River Alme as a potential point of interest. In February of 2017, the RMP released a photo fit of a man they wanted to interview about the case, a man seen carrying a small child into a green sedan vehicle around the time of Catrice's disappearance. In April of 2018, military personnel and civilian forensic experts announced plans to excavate a stretch of the riverbank along the River Alme. over this renewed effort concluded in May of 2018, again resulting in no new evidence. The site was then ruled out of the investigation in June. In a further twist, 28 years after the disappearance, on September 23rd of 2019, A former serviceman was arrested in connection with the case, but released two days later without charge. This event shook the Lee family, with Richard stating, the arrest brings it all back and makes it feel raw. Then in October of 2019, a bizarre incident added a new layer of pain to the ongoing mystery. A 40-year-old woman named Heidi Robinson set up a Facebook profile saying that she was Catrice. She sent a friend request to Catrice's sister, Natasha Walker. There was a glimmer of hope, but after a DNA test confirmed she was not Catrice, Robinson claimed it was some sort of cover-up. She was subsequently given an 18-week prison sentence, suspended for two years with a mental health treatment requirement. Renewed investigations were scaled back in December of 2020, with military police stating that they would only respond to new lines of inquiry. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson promised to meet with Richard Lee, assuring him that his daughter had not been forgotten. But now, 42 years later, the pain of this mystery still lingers. Mr. Lee and his family continues to fight for answers and justice for his daughter and the uncertainty of not knowing what happened is almost worse than any truth could possibly be. Number 1. The Phillips Family This one's a bizarre story of a father and his three children who vanished without a trace from New Zealand not once, but twice. And to this day, now they still remain missing almost two years later because believe it or not, it's not that difficult to vanish without a trace nowadays. All you need to do is take a digital hiatus and have the right skills. Back in 2021, Thomas Phillips was separated from his wife and he lived in a torahanga with his three children, eight-year-old Jada, seven-year-old Maverick and five-year-old Ember. Dad was an outdoorsy and off the grid type of guy who had hunting and survival skills. He homeschooled his children, as he had been growing up on the family farm that they had used for a few generations. September 11th of 2021 is when the four of them first disappeared. Their Toyota Helix was discovered two days after they were last seen, abandoned on Karikahir Beach, the sea battering against it. The keys were under the driver's mat, leaving investigators to wonder if this was an accident or something more sinister. The family feared they had gone to the beach for the day and that perhaps a rogue wave had swept them all out to sea. Because of that, a rigorous search effort involving planes, helicopters, jet skis, rescue boats, and heat-detecting drones were deployed, but there was no trace of the family anywhere. As well as the use and then, 19 days later, on the 30th of September, like apparitions, the four magically reappeared. Phillips and his children were spotted riding a bike on Manigato Road. And later that day, they showed up at their family farm. And Phillips' explanation? That he needed space to clear his head, camping out in a tent 15 kilometers inland from the beach where his car was found. The children were perfectly healthy and lively. Following this disappearance, Phillips was now charged with wasting police resources. His court date was set for the 5th of November, but was later delayed to January 12, 2022, due to COVID-19 restrictions. But he would never make that court date. It seems as though he'd had enough of the modern world and he was getting out of it and taking his kids with him. Because in December, Phillips and his children were seen for the last time, again. On December 9th, they once again disappeared, and while there have been potential sightings, no one knows for sure where they are. This time, no search was initiated by the police, as Phillips had reportedly informed his family of his plans. When he failed to show up for his court date in January, an arrest warrant was issued adding a criminal layer to this story. His car would go on to be found abandoned once more on Managato Road later in January. In an eerie encounter, Phillips ended up returning to the family's farm home alone for about an hour on the night of February 9th to get supplies, assuring his parents that the children were okay. His appearance had changed at this point, point; he had grown a beard, The police, the children's mother, and Otorohanga mayor, Max Baxter, believes Phillips is receiving help to survive wherever he is. Frustrated by the lack of progress, the older half-sisters of the Phillips children launched a petition calling on the police and relevant government ministries to do more. In August, the police even posited that the Phillips family may have changed their names and started a new life elsewhere in the country, Despite the police's refusal to offer a reward for the children's return, their maternal family managed to raise funds to offer a $10,000 reward themselves. But as of now, the whereabouts of the Phillips family remain a mystery. As mentioned, there have been calls about potential sightings coming from all over, but as soon as they're looked into, the people in question are gone once again. At this point, they could be out of the country or perhaps are hiding in plain sight, starting life anew, living off the land now under different names. As time passes and the kids grow older and their appearances change, it will be harder and harder to find them, which is apparently exactly what Thomas has wanted all along. So there were five mysterious and terrifying stories of kids disappearing In the blink of an eye, it seems, scary things can happen if you're not always watching a child's every move. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, thank you for your continued support. Stay safe out there. I'll see you guys soon.